Hi folks and thanks for listening to this very special episode of Shrapnel uh, recorded live in the Access Theatre in Ballymun. Uh, putting it out now for everybody to have a listen back to. I think it's a really, really terrific insight and fair play to Sam for making the journey down from the attic as I say. Please, if you're listening, uh, try and help us out. It's patreon.com forward slash tortoise The link is in the podcast you're listening to now. If you enjoy what the lads are doing, leave them a review. Click subscribe, hit like, and leave them a five-star review. It helps push them up the charts, and other people will find them that way. We don't have ads. We don't have sponsors. We rely on you. And we are delighted that so many people are listening, and so many people around the world are listening. It's insane. But unfortunately, likes and retweets and shares and all do not keep the mics on and the conversations going. We need support. One more time, patreon.com forward slash tortoise uh, I won't delay any further. Enjoy the recording of what was a wonderful evening in Ballymun. Hi folks and welcome to the Shrapnel Podcast. Clearly I am not Sam McElwain or Gareth Mulvenna. I'm Tony Groves from the Tortoise Shack and I produce these podcasts. But the reason I'm actually giving you the intro is because on Friday evening, the intrepid co-host of Shrapnel, Sam McElwain, came down to the Axis Theatre in Ballymun to sit down with Martin McMahon of the Echo Chamber to discuss loyalism, unionism, United Ireland, a better, a better Northern Ireland, all of those things. And then kindly sat and took questions from the audience in relation to the structural difficulties, the the cultural identities, all of the things that we don't, we don't hear enough about, particularly not in uh, the likes of working class communities in Dublin. Uh, and I want to thank Sam for his time. It was absolutely excellent. I it was he won't tell you this, but as he was leaving, there were people actually asking for pictures with him. So yeah, he he uh, he carried the day. Uh, thanks to the Access Theatre, to Dean Scurry, to um, Jer on Sound, and everybody else who came along and made it into a memorable evening. Uh, we will be doing more of these events, and we will let you know as quickly as we can, probably on the Patreon feed first, because you know because you guys keep the mics on and these conversations going. If you're not a Patreon supporter but you want to help us, leave leave an old five-star review for the lads. They're doing brilliant work. It's it's really, really heartening to see so many people listening. I think Shrapnel is a really welcome addition to the Tortoise Shack and the general discourse. Fair play to both Gareth and Sam for the work that they've put in. And thank you particularly again, as I said, to Sam for coming down and uh, taking it on. I think you'll really enjoy the conversation between himself and Martin and the little debate afterwards. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the show. The reason why we're going to do this a bit differently is because actually, if you're familiar with the podcast, you haven't heard much from Martin in the last few months. Uh, he's been very unwell and he has literally, dra- look, he's dragged himself off a sick bed to be here tonight and a more power to him. And then Sam McElwain, who has been putting out 13 episodes now of Shrapnel, which is a really crazy thing. You think that there's... Out of a little room in Ballymun, there's a there's there's a podcast produced by by unionism and loyalism and working class unionism. So we didn't think that mix was ever going to happen, but here we are now, and um, it's safe to say, actually, Sam, it's been fairly well received. So um, we're going to have mix it up and actually have Martin and Sam are going to have a conversation now about those two tribes and how it's actually uh, how it's actually worked and how it has impacted. Maybe the thought process, because you know the guys don't necessarily agree on everything, and yet here we are, and we're putting this together. So please, please put your hands together for Sam McElwain and Martin McMahon. Top top, does this work? It does work. It does work. Thanks everybody for coming along, and Dean, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Dean. Uh, Sam does shrapnel, and I don't know if 
if you haven't listened to shrapnel you really must listen to shrapnel we all live on the same island but it's a completely different view of this island completely different view and tony's dead right we have very opposing opinions yeah we do we do but we're two alphalas who live on the same island and we're two different traditions i grew up where uh that was the attic. Uh, you know, we didn't go up. We didn't cross the border. We drove around if we were going to Donegal because we weren't going across that border. And I didn't know Northern Ireland. And I really didn't know Northern Ireland as a teenager, or as a young adult. Did not know it at all. So when Tony said, we've we got to do something um, Northern Ireland, I was like, yeah, yeah, really. We've got to see, you know, what are these people like? And then get chatting to Sam. And... I think what we've discovered, I've discovered from listening to the podcasts, is an awful lot lost in translation. Yeah, there is. And it's the perspective. We both look at the same, the same island, the same shared space, the same land, and the same, sorry, and the same experiences, but we look at it from two different points of view. Yeah. And I think it's, it's an inbuilt bias, which is not conscious, but it's there because of how we're brought up. Um, and it's what we're taught. You, you didn't cross the border. No. I sure as hell wasn't crossing the border because that's where the bears were. You didn't go into the woods. You left it alone. Um, and I think up until the age of maybe 18, I had crossed the Irish border three times. And on three occasions, I was heading to Dublin Airport. And on the three occasions, I crossed back again. And I don't think, apart from the car park, I touched southern Irish soil. Um, and it wasn't until I got to the age where I thought I should know better that I started to come south. Um, I have gained friends down here. I have made acquaintances, went to sporting events. I've been to Croke Park um, for GAA matches, believe it or not. And it's, it's because I wanted to experience it. And it's not for everybody. And I, I know the arguments that they'll use in my community why I shouldn't have went to Croke. But I'll use that argument as that's why I should have went to Crook. Because if I don't understand it, then I can't complain about it, I can't deride it, and I certainly cannot have a go at you about it. Yeah, and it's also even just just the phraseology you use in, in podcast, Lundy. Mm, like God. words like, like, what does Lundy mean? I never heard Lundy before you said it. What yeah. does Lundy mean? Well, Lundy was a traitor that was uh, hung uh, up in the city of, here we go, Derry Stroke, London, Derry Stroke, that place in the northwest. Um, <laughs> And, and I always tell people where I come from, use whatever terminology you want for that place. I call it Derry. And it's simple because it was Derry when I was growing up. And it's the apprentice boys at Derry. It's the walls of Derry. Uh, so why have we elongated it? And there's people who want to, and that's fair enough. But you, and I, oh, I want to swear. I, I hate when the news use Derry, London Derry. Pick one. I don't care. And I don't care if you have to keep a tally to make sure that it balances out by the end of the report. Just pick one. We do not need to make it even longer. Um, but Lundy, Lundy was a traitor. Um, but it's now bandied about that if you don't conform to their, their type of unionism or loyalism, you're a Lundy. And to me, I mean, the word Protestant is from pro protest. We do not conform anyway. So why have I got to conform to somebody else's ideology of what loyalism is? Um, there are people within loyalism here, right wing and extremely right wing. I'm not. I'm left. But that doesn't mean we're not all from the same community. But it, it is a word to go back to the London. It is a word that is used to deride your argument to 
to take your platform away. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. And there are, there, there are other subtle differences too. Mm. I mean, there are I mean, historic differences. Like, I, my family would have, were mixed, you know, going back, there's English, there's Irish. So we have kind of that mixed background. So I've had that mixed background. I haven't had that just pure Catholic background the whole time. Um, but there is definitely a difference, a cultural difference. Now, stuff like dairy. London dairy, these are the hot button issues. Yeah. These, are, these are the things that people get bothered about. Flags, anthems, you know, these, but these are not actually the issues that are standing in the way of progressing the island. I'm not going to say United Ireland because you're here with me. Yeah. I'm going to say progressing the island. And, you know, as long as we keep getting dragged back to these hot button issues, we can't actually deal with the bigger issues that are there. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Good Friday Agreement was a hell of a step forward. But I always saw the Good Friday Agreement as it was a foundation stone, a starting point for us to move forward in one form or another. And it, it didn't develop. But what the Good Friday Agreement didn't take care of and which it's held us back is legacy. Is without a shadow of a doubt, we haven't dealt with our past and we still do not know how to deal with it. Um, but... <sighs> We need to start having a conversation about how we interact. I mean, you, you're going to go with a conversation for the 32 counties and unionism should be involved. And I'm going to say, why would the turkey talk about Christmas? Um, but on the other side of that, at the end of this road, there will be a referendum. Uh, it's going to be bitter and it's going to be hateful. And when we get past that, one way or another, we are going to have to get on, whether whether that's within the 32-county utopia for yourself or whether my precious six counties stay where they are, um, we're going to have to learn how to interact in a better way, in a way that we're civil, in a way that we understand, in a way that works because Northern Ireland isn't a separate, a separate place from the rest of the world. We need to learn to interact and, and, and build on that. And that is the argument I have with unionism at the minute. If we want to win a referendum, we have got to sell the union. End off. We have got to convince 51% of the people, no matter what Ian Paisley Jr. has asked for, um, that they, their best place is within the UK. I find it interesting that you say 51% of the people, because I'm kind of that 51% of the people Democrat. I am. Yeah. If it's 51% of the people... Okay, we go with that. You're never going to get 100%. So, you know, why, why do we delay? Why is there a magic figure that's above 51%? It doesn't exist. Once it's 51%, I, it's 51%. I would say that in constitutional change like this, on bigger votes like this, it should be slightly higher. Whether it's 55, 45, it doesn't really matter. And that's not to protect where I'm standing. But if that had been the case, then Brexit wouldn't be the shit show that it is. When it's a seismic shift for an entire nation to move one way or the other, then the margin of error needs to be removed. Um, so if we're voting on whether the traffic lights should be red, amber, green, 51% will do rightly. But with, we're talking about removing an entire system from the UK and implanting it into another system, then it needs to be a bigger margin. We, we'll always have the grey area, we'll always have the non-voters, we'll certainly always will have the swing vote. Mm -hmm. So we need to account for that. Well, I, I'm thinking about the Joella and the girls run and how they're very good at dealing with mental health issues and talking about mental issues. But guys our age that have grown up, we know that you box them off and you bury them deep down, deep, deep, deep down. Mm -hmm. And you, and you don't look at them again, but that's the bitterness. That's, that's the, we can't revisit what's happened because it's so traumatic. Yeah. And that's where legacy comes into it. I mean, 
when I unpack some of the trauma that has went on through my life, a lot of it is troubles related. A lot of it is seeing the aftermath of a bomb or a shooting. A lot of it is is generational trauma that my parents and grandparents have seen. Um, you put that on top of a very poor working class area and what hope that you did have goes. And, and I can see why people become bitter and twisted because they're fed that acidic bile the whole time. And they have reason to believe it because they have seen body parts. They have seen what it looks like in somebody's cheekbone because the face has been ripped off. And they know what the smell is. And it's hard to describe unless you've been in that situation. I can't tell you what that smell is because it's just there. And we did a podcast. Um, it was an old podcast. It was a, uh, the Hidden Histories of Northern Ireland. We did with Gareth. And we interviewed Brian Alloway, who was head of the, the fire service. And he describes arriving at a scene of a bombing in Belfast City Centre. And I took him back a step and said, what was the taste? Because I've had that taste. So he was then able to describe what that taste is in your mouth. It's the blood and it's the dust. And when you experience that, your mindset changes. Mm -hmm. And forgiveness is hard. It really is. And I've not learned to forgive and forget, but I have learned to accept I have to say, my Twitter persona is all forgiving and forgetting. <laughs> Can you spell the words? <laughs> but Sam is from, as you said, a working class area. Yeah. And that's what we have in common. In, in these, these issues that we have, these social issues, are hugely in common. Housing, healthcare. And that, to me, bridges the divide. Yeah. I was telling Tony before I came down, and then sitting in work, I was telling my colleagues where I was going, and they were like, whereabouts is this? And I said, well, hold on. And I Googled the words, rough areas of Dublin. <laughs> and the first name was this. And I thought, it can't, no, that is the unfair bit. Because people then have a preconception of what the residents of Ballymun are. The same way if people ask me, where are you from? And I say the Shankle Road. No matter where I go in the world, they know where the Shankle Road is, and that's where the bad stuff happens. That's where the preconceptions are. And that, that's where we do have well, that I, link. I, I kind of figure that we, we, in general, we have similar politics in politicians. We have similar... Ideologies, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, that working communities, and I don't like to say working class, anybody who works is working class. Anybody mm -hmm. who doesn't work is working class. So I don't like to say working class because I think it's, it's been changed from you must be working to be working class. No, you know, working class used to cover people out of work and in work. Um, it, and politics has changed that there is nobody now representing people who are out of work. Nobody represents, no political party will say we represent people who are out of work. Labour used to, and they abandoned that. But those that don't work are the subclass, are, are the dirty laundry, are the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. They're, they are framed as the leeches uh, that drain from society. And we don't, we don't address why. I don't work. I, I try work. Not, I try not to. <laughs> I mean, I do the podcast yeah. with Tony, and I love doing podcasts. Love, love doing podcasts. But, you know, being unwell for so long, I just can't work. I can't work. Nobody's going to hire me. I might be sick tomorrow. So I always feel that stigma. And I mm. always, always feel that stigma. I mean, when I did work, I worked bloody hard. I, mean, I think I did my fair dues. I think I paid my taxes. So, yeah, no, screw you if you've had bad to say about me. Um, but I think these, the, the politics of the UK and the politics of Ireland, the, the, those in government, are very much aligned. In, in general, broad sense, they're very much aligned. 
and it is extractivism, it's rent seeking, it's, it's, it's pulling working people down all the time. And I think that's where we have the scope to work together. I think it's Thatcherism on steroids. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah but, but even capitalism doesn't cover what it is. Capitalism is not evil enough to be what it is at the minute. But if you look at the, the, the budget from the last couple of days within the House of Commons, yeah, we're all going to feel it. Let's, let's talk about who's going to feel it the most. And that is the other thing. If we build a, a, an Ireland down south that, that is better than the option you have in the UK, well, then it ceases to be ideological. It starts to come down to what's in your pocket. What about going to hospital? What about, you know, getting housing? And if you have better options. But you're talking about a mature argument. Yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah. And, and that isn't the case with Northern Irish politics, as you well know. Um, but you're, we're still talking about the generation that we are. Mm-hmm. What we need to be talking is the generation come behind, because they don't care as much about the orange and the green. Okay, so that's where we've talked before. Show me the plan. Give, give me something to think over. I, pe- people think that if, if it was United Ireland tomorrow, I would burst into flames. That's not the case. I could live within a 32-county state, but do I want to? That is the difference. And that's where unionism is. We do not want to live there. But make the argument. Come with, come with the plan. Come with, this is how it's going to work. I'm, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. As always. It's a question yeah. people ask a lot. Yeah. What's the difference between loyalism and unionism? My opinion, because there's nothing written down in stone. Um, loyalism is working class politics. Um, unionism, unionism was middle class. Unionism was upper class. Unionism had money, jobs. Uh, they owned the businesses that people like myself would work in. Loyalism is those from the back streets of Belfast who lived in the two up, two down, who had kitchen sinks, who had baths in front of the fire. Loyalism comes from that place for me. Um, if you look at the Shankle Road up until the 80s, we, we didn't elect a unionist councillor. We elected a Labour councillor. It is left-leaning. It is socialist. It is for the community first and always for the community. And that's, and that's replicated through Sandy Row, East Belfast. You, you find a working-class area of Belfast and you find that same ideology. Um, and that's, and then they start to merge in bits and places. But there's always a social snobbery within politics. Uh, I have witnessed it myself where those unionists of the big house unionism look down. And I'm going to put a, a sort of a clause in there that they're not all that way. I know plenty of people in the DUP and the Ulster Unionists who do not look down their nose at me and who will represent working class areas. But by and large, especially through the 80s, we were tolerated. I mean, come come election time, they stuck a flag on the front of a coal lorry and a fruit land on the back of it, and then he went up the shankle. And basically, if you don't vote for us, you get them. And that was the politics, and that's what bore um, the likes of Davy Irvine. Yeah. But it's not it's not typical too of Ballymun. It's typical of Ballymun. I mean, who canvasses Ballymun? Whoever canvasses Ballymun, you only see them when it's election time. That's mm-hmm. the only time you'll see a politician in Ballymun is election time. And it tells, as Dean will tell you, you the, the community is divided by a road and there is no bridge over that road. I mean, these are simple, simple little things that should have been built in from the very start to make a community. But again, it's a divided community because no thought process is going into making it a united community. But they don't want to. Can you imagine if we were united in, in those communities and we were able to pull our strengths together? Yeah, we see we could do that in United Ireland. Well... You call it United. I, I have a different terminology for it. And that, that there is so much 
to explore. And that is not to say that I am I'm a weak unionist or a weak loyalist and that I'm, I'm not willing to discuss that or I'm showing signs of Lundyism by, by talking to you. I find it the opposite. I find that you have to be a strong unionist or a strong loyalist to come to places like this and talk. Because if I'm not willing to come here, I mean, yeah, I'm hiding. Yeah, I myself and Tony have talked about this. We're quite happy to go up and sit in an orange lodge and talk to people. Absolutely, quite yeah. happy to do it. Yeah, and, and that's that's what we need to do. So you may get out of this nothing more than the fact that we're still poles apart. Yeah, yeah. But we've had the conversation. Yeah, there's no wall. Yeah, because no wall. in the absence of conversation, you have what we had up there from 69. Yeah. Because if you can't do the talking with your mouth, you do the talking with your hands. And that's... And that's where we are at the minute in the north. Um, Can I ask you one question? Your vision for Ireland, I hate the phrase going forward, I hate it, but your vision for Ireland. Corpus speak, yeah. yeah, Tony has me trained on this. (laughs) Your vision for Ireland going forward, if it's not um, the concept of United Ireland as I see United Ireland, Mm. what's your concept of it? Of a United Ireland? There won't be one. But that's not to say that... I'm a Democrat, first and foremost. And if the vote goes that way, politicians in the North, certain politicians in Northern Ireland have said that if there was United Ireland, they would leave. That's great. They have the means to do so. But there will be communities left behind who can't just up sticks and leave. So I will stay because some people need to speak out for other people. Um, And it's like, it's like, it's like Sinn Féin and West Belfast. They're there to speak for people. They don't want to be part of the UK, but they'll work in the system. And that the same will have to be reversed. Because I will have members of my family and my community who need somebody to speak on their behalf. Um, so there needs to be articulation of what they're going through, what they want. They may not be happy and they won't be happy, but they need something to voice that. Well, we see Colin Harvey's doing a lot of work and he's trying to put people together in rooms and he's trying to have conversations and I suppose to knock the edges off so that when it does come to an actual referendum or a vote that we've dealt with the dairies, the London dairies, the NHSs, we've dealt with all of that so that they don't become the big ticket issues for any referendum. In that case, in that case, can you see an Ireland which is neither UK or Ireland as we know it now? How does it work? Uh, oh, I don't know. I'd call us something else. Country X with the best constitution in the world. Yeah. Um, countries have changed over the millennia and uh, at glacial paces. And, and, and nothing to say that what we are today will stay the same ever. I mean, in the, in the last 150 years, Ireland has been independent, part of the UK, partitioned. Yeah. I, 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 I messaged a friend yesterday you have friends yeah. in preparation yeah. for this I watched um, uh, The Wind That Shakes the Barley true <laughs> oh a true documentary yeah <sighs> completely true yeah watched it last night and uh, I know Liam and I, it always angers me in that that Liam was shot in the back I think he's too good an actor to be shot in the back I think they should have made it more dramatic uh, he played a huge part in the movie he should have had a more dramatic end than being shot in the back by his own Um but I texted him and I, and I said to him, going to be talking to Northern Ireland. And, and, and he, he said to me, well, what are you going to talk about? And I said, I'm going to talk about Lost in Translation. And he thought that was a really good idea because really the big differences between us is the, the, the Lost in Translation. We are pretty much the same guy. Mm-hmm. 
few pounds lighter, but we're pretty much the same guy. <laughs> I, can, I can think about everything else. I, I, that's the end. <laughs> but we are. We, we are pretty much the same people, same interests. We want to see our communities do well. We want to see working class people taken care of. We want a good health service. So our, our, the things we have in common are far more the things that divide us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but those, those things that we have in common, are they not what decent humans should have in common? Well, I don't know. It depends if you're in Fine Gael or not. Really. <laughs> I said, I said like decent, right? Okay. Um, yeah. yeah it, <laughs> there's more that unites us than, than separates us. That is, the, but when it comes to that 30 seconds in the voting booth. Yeah, yeah, I know. But people tend to vote with their pockets. Yeah. I do think people tend to vote with their pockets. And if you give them an alternative space, which is better than both Ireland is at the moment, the Republic mm-hmm. of Ireland, and is better than Northern Ireland is at the moment, I think then you've created a space that people can move to. And, and I think that's, that's a conversation that's not being had at the minute, is about that economic argument, because I don't think Ireland has the economy to make that argument. It's not going to be better for everybody. You have to ask why the big political parties are not going at this. Power, 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 power. Um, they're not hammering that you will be better economically as part of a 32-county state. They're not doing that. So the reason, the reason for that must be that they won't be. So that's not an argument they can win at the moment. I mean, we always talk with the NHS first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's always the, the biggest card we put down. And I keep saying to, to people I talk to, we, we need to have a hand of cards, not just the one card. We need to have the rest. So they need to start forming the argument. And I think you're talking about Colin Harvey and the conversation. He says, I think there should be separate conversations going on within unionism about how we promote a positive six-county Northern Ireland to keep people. And it, and again, I mean, there's, there are politicians up there who have talked about the best of both worlds. Yes. I mean, is that something that we can approach? Show me again what that works like. I'm, I'm a guy for detail. I'm a, I'm a stickler. I'm, I voted to remain. How, do, how does best of both worlds work? I, I yeah. look at our audience. I look at our audience and we have people from all over the world. And we have people of all different faiths. Mm-hmm. And we get on. Generally, we get on. And that's how it works. Yeah. That's how it works. But that's how it works at this level. How do we provide for this level with that level? That's what I need to know. Um, and there's the nuts and bolts of things. I mean, when, when the Scar- Scottish um, referendum was on, uh, of a lot of friends in Scotland, and they were asking simple questions like, who does my mortgage belong to? Who, who's going to provide my mobile phone? Who is going to pay for this? And the Scottish government were great for providing figures. That's where we're going to make. But you may as well stuck on the side of a bus. You know, it's not real until it's real. And it's a hell of a gamble to take without knowing. Okay, let's look at the big picture. Let's look at Scotland goes independent. It's, then it is inevitable, inevitable that Northern Ireland yeah. will at some stage be, I don't, I don't like the word enveloped, but I think will be part of a bigger island. The minute you start saying inevitable, it becomes a subsum. We're being going to be subsumed. It's going to be a conquering of the north. Okay, so that that's where the language. Oh, I, needs I think to change. we will. Yeah, I think we will too. Yeah. But it's. I mean, I, I read your Twitter feed, and Tony, and and so far, there's nothing on that feed that convinces me that I should put an X in the box for 32 counties. I kind of agree with you. Yeah, and yeah. I kind of agree with you if I was to come and look at Ireland and say, what's the attraction of Ireland as compared to, say, the attraction of UK or the attraction of France or Spain? It's hard. It's hard. It's difficult. And it's, it's where you have to step back and take off the green tinted glasses. Oh, yeah. And we need to be real. I mean, can you afford us? 
first and foremost, can you afford us? Because we, we have nothing. Or kind of think, can we afford not to? We, we take more out of the UK than we put into it. That's right. Yeah. And it's not going to get any better. You know, um, we have lost all means of production. We have lost all our normal means and of, sus- of sustaining ourselves, um, which it needs to be addressed. Now, Hardland, we've got a, a contract this week, which is good news for jobs. Not so good news when you look what they're building. Um, do we need to be really building weapons in Belfast? That, that's a question. Um, but it is providing jobs. So short-term, stick and plaster, fine. And long-term, it's not where we want to be. But again, there's nothing, and I, I wholeheartedly, apart from the fact that I might get a few pints in the diggers, um, there's nothing that draws me to a 32 county at the minute. You, you've got to provide me with something. And there are plenty of books and historical lessons for us to read about what happened to Protestants in the South after partition. And there's plenty going on at the minute on Twitter. You take Colin Harvey and, and, and his like out of the way where they're making a conversation, but there's plenty of bitterness still towards us. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's orange holes being attacked. Um, and this is when we're being told that we should be going for a 32 count. And I, I understand what you're saying. That's what it, I say that too. And it's, that's not just Northern Ireland. People attacking other people's places of, of prayer or worship. That's worldwide. Yeah. It's worldwide. But you're asking us to become part of a 32 count when this has already happened, when we're safer in our six. We also have a, a sort of a message going out that there. The, I mean, the hashtag UVF narco-terrorists. Mm-hmm. There was a man shot dead in Belfast. That's right. Nothing to do with UVF, nothing to do with loyalism, nothing to do with union side. We, we have that going on. Um, we, we get told about that the, the loyalist paramilitaries are on the verge of going back to war. We had a bomb attack today in yeah. Japan. And again, it didn't come from loyalism. And this is not a, they're at it. Mm-hmm. But this is where the message is out there at the minute that loyalism is demonized. We're the bad. Everything that happens is bad. When you look at the facts... We're not. And it's not to say we're, we're angels. God, we're not. We're nowhere near it. We have a lot of issues that we need to sort out within ourselves. But that's happening whilst we're part of Britain. When you describe loyalism to me as opposed to unionism, mm-hmm. I see that I have more in common with loyalism yes. than unionism. Yeah. Much more in common yeah. with loyalism. So, you know, to me, whoever the head of the state is... My loyalism. I have to point that out because there are right-wing loyalists out there who you will have very little in common with. Um, loyalism doesn't, isn't, isn't a set-in-stone ideology. We're not all left-leaning. And there's a quite, a, quite a sway of there that are right-wing. Um, and there's, there are... <laughs> bad apples is not the right word because they're not. There are people within loyalism who are just not right. It, it, they are bitter, they are sectarian, they are racist, they are homophobic. They're also traumatized. Yes. And it's, they have been bitten. Yeah. And they don't want to be bitten again. And there's, there, for all the, the bravado sometimes that we see, there's a, some fear there. Because they know if they don't fight back, they're going to be against the wall. And See, I, that's where I disagree. I don't think you're going to be against the wall. I think that... that but they, they are. I think this is a welcoming home to a lot of people. To a lot of people. And I think that to give it the chance... To give it the chance. Ireland is welcoming to, well, okay, we have our issues. We mm. certainly have our issues and, and racism and xenophobia. And of course. But you're saying, you're saying welcome at the minute. I mean, at the minute I see the rise in, in Irish Twitter, um, uh, about immigrants coming in from the other countries and we shouldn't be housing them in hotels. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, but that's niche. And okay. That's one niche. Uh, we look at the Roma community in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. We're, there's so many niches starting to build up. So where does loyalism, is that just another niche? And do we tolerate 
I think I, I think the the old divide of Protestant Catholic is becoming a niche. We're, we're we're much more pluralistic, much much more. Yeah, um, but what I'm saying is, is loyalism sees the niches. Yeah, and it it doesn't want to become one of those niches. It doesn't want to become the next community where it's, it's okay to be a bit sectarian. It's okay. It's it's polite sectarianism. It's polite bitterness. It's polite. But we do have to move. Beyond the bitterness. Yes, I agree. And that- uh, okay, and we're not going to get rid of all the labels, all the, the names, we're not, but, but you're trying to take the sting out of them. I mean, I, when I was speaking to, to my, my friends around the Good Friday Agreement and, and trying to convince them to vote for it, um, there's a lot of opposition to it. And we, we, we spoke and we spoke and we got there. But what, what I did say at that point was there won't be peace in my time. There won't be peace in my kids' time. But my grandkids have a chance. Oh God, I disagree with you. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I disagree with you, you. You, and that's but that's coming from a place where you don't see. True, true. I'm the, very insulated. Very the insulated. hurt and yeah. and sometimes the hatred that is there. It is going to take a generation or two for that, and it is at the minute. I mean, it, it's getting to a point where the kids. They, well, the kids mix. They don't give a damn. Yeah. it's TikTok. It's Twitter. It's but to Instagram. a larger extent, yeah. yeah. But there are still, there are still pockets. But then, as I said, that will filter down. And, and as years go on and they, and they forget about the troubles, because they're talking at that minute about the troubles as if there was some story that they've read in a book. They haven't lived it. And thank God they haven't lived it. Um, I think that's the great divide is history. I, I, and yeah. I do think, and I think within Irish politics, it's a huge divide that we, we see the history of 70 years ago as a lot different to the history of 30 years ago. Mm. But if you're 25, it's all history. It's all history. <laughs> I'd rather you didn't give him the mic. Yeah, no, sorry. I just no. I, want, I actually want to see because there's, there's a few comments. Actually, people are saying stuff. So I'm wondering if we if you want to take a couple of yeah, questions. Yeah, just yeah, if anybody yeah, wants sure. to ask a question, put a hand up. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, it was great. It's great listening to you, and it's, it's always great to hear kind of opinions from from the other side. But what I was really wondering, because you were saying, you know, you didn't vote for Brexit. You know, I take it you're not a fan of the Tories. Mm. You know, you were saying how in Northern Ireland you've basically never had a representative government that represents your view and opinion. I'm just wondering, like, why would you be loyal to that? Like, why why be loyal to that? If you're not a monarchist, you're not a Tory, you know, you don't agree with their politics, you know, you're starting to see already Scotland perhaps look heading towards another vote. You know, I'm just like, you want, you, you vote to stay in Europe. Why would you be, maintain your loyalty to that? I don't understand it. <laughs> um, the first thing I'll say is, I don't like the Tories, yes, but governments come and go. So my loyalty is not to the government. My loyalty is to an ideology of, of the, the countries of the United Kingdom standing together. We work better as a unit. I mean, you're saying about Brexit uh, being an issue. Why would, they, why would then we leave the power of four countries and go to a power of two countries? Again, it's Brexit on a smaller version for us. You get back to 27, but go on. <coughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I agree. We just, we got to keep it moving, but no. Yeah. Um, just on, just, I do think, it is a fair question, Sam. Because, it is. I mean, because tra- time after time, the Tory government has betrayed 
Oh, the yeah. North. Um, for, yeah, of, I mean, it, but we don't trust the Tories for that. And it, it's it's like the dog who's been kicked by the master so many times is still loyal to the master. Why? Thanks so much. I'm loving this. Um, <laughs> and just, yeah, I just want to commend you. Like, I totally agree. Coming down to have the conversation, you know, like, amazing. So, but Mike, I, I suppose it's more of a, just uh, as opposed to a direct question, just more something I'd like you to comment on is that I just see that, you know, in a lot of these conversations or people's opinions is that there tends to be a different um, kind of focus when it comes to people from the Republic, South, like myself. We tend to look at the bigger picture, the more abstract, romantic ideology of the 32 counties coming back together. Whereas, you know, loyalists or unionists tend to look at, you know, but economically, what about this? And what about our communities? And what about, and it's like, we're talking on two different levels. <laughs> and I just, yeah, wonder, I, and I could see it in you both this evening as well. Like that. Yeah, it's our, 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 our theme was kind of lost in translation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just, yeah, just like you to comment on that, I suppose, the, the abstract versus the concrete. I, and how I, I, I think generally in the South, particularly, and I can only speak from my own experience. I have no experience of what Sam's had. I haven't seen body blown to bits. I haven't seen explosions going off. I didn't grow up with people shooting each other on the streets. It didn't happen. I was very insulated from it. And I think those of us down south are very insulated. Different when you come to the border counties, less insulated. But certainly in Dublin, particularly Dublin suburbs, different planet altogether. So I have to, I have to listen to Sam's experience. And understand that is Sam's experience. Now, I can't put myself in Sam's shoes because I didn't live this. Thankfully. Yeah, yeah, but I didn't live it. But I can certainly listen and I can certainly empathize um, and, and see the difference in the community. I don't know what Sam's opinion is on it. You know, I would look at it, the fact you're talking about it economically, because I know my community struggles day to day. And I do not wish to see them struggle any more than they need to. So we need to look at the nuts and bolts and I need to make sure that the loyalist community is going to thrive and it's and it can move on um, from where it is. Do I think the toys are going to help that? No. But I don't see any hope at the minute from Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael. Uh, and I have no trust to Sinn Féin. I mean, and it's... Oh, yeah. Uh, Sam, welcome to Ballymoon. Just Thank you very much. Absolutely. It's lovely to have you here. Uh, during the tea up for Brexit and during some of Brexit, myself and a Jesuit priest got together with uh, Protestants, Loyalists, Unionists, Shinners, blah, blah, blah. I didn't understand the difference between Protestants, Loyalists and Unionists until they explained it to me. And it's kind of like P-U-L, mm -hmm. P being at the top um, in terms of power and wealth possibly, then Unionists and then Loyalists is more working class people and I could relate to them. But we, we met up on the border in a hotel every three months for about three years and we got drunk and slagged each other and learned about each other and we learned that as you're saying we had more in common than the voids was but what i also learned is i never smelt the skin do you know what i mean so what i love is people and peace and i also understand there's another p in there which is power you know what i mean property that type of stuff and they're more of the things that you're looking at so uh, i would encourage more people of your experience to come down here and more people like us to go up there and then open there become a thing that's gone by the fact that we're just traveling mm -hmm. uh, thank you thank you
just, we're, we're going to finish no, can, off. Can I say one last little comment on this? It, because things have happened, obviously, the last while we've seen the rhetoric changing, we've seen situations changing. And this is to speak in Sam's defense. He came down this evening. He's having this conversation. People will have their eyes open. They maybe do not. Maybe don't. Maybe they've heard it all before. But I know working with him, so he'd send a text and something would happen and we'd be having a bit of a laugh about it and he'd go, well, actually, I remember that day and X-Bomb went off and my friend never came home. Yeah. And there's a very different thing situation when someone says that to you and it changes your entire perspective on things. So I'm very grateful that, uh, as I said, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a loyalist unionist podcast made in Ballymun now, yeah. you know? So, so thanks, Sam. Thanks, Martin. I really appreciate it. We'll be back in two minutes. <laughs> The man of thanks, the hour, Rory Heron, is waiting to to uh, to accommodate. So thanks so much, folks. Thank you.